Well, we're now on uh, Titus chapter 2. Um, it's just the, the first eight verses, but I'm particularly going to be looking at the old men and the old woman, but it's just pure coincidence that it's up here speaking on such a subject. What I want to do, actually, first before we read that, is just to go back uh, to chapter 1 again. It's, everything is linked, and of course... When this was a, le- a letter that was sent out, it didn't have chapters in it. We say that often enough, I suppose. Uh, but um, I just want to look at the beginning uh, of the letter that Paul sent to Titus. And again, just reiterating what's been said before, that uh, Paul had uh, established Titus there. He'd asked him, because he had to leave, to go out and to make elders to recognize elders in the churches of God in the cities that where they had been planted and to really nurture them, to care for them because Paul was having to leave. So just a reminder, can we just read the first three verses of chapter 1 again? It's Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Saviour. And then in verse 4, it goes on, to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. And then chapter 2 starts with Paul saying to Titus, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. I thought I would start really by just focusing on the responsibility that Titus had here. He had been thinking about the responsibility he had in the chapter 1 of recognising and appointing elders and ensuring that they understood the responsibility that they had been given or would be given once Titus had established them. It was a tremendous responsibility. When you get an established churches of God there is a sequence of events and the way we operate now when we've been running, if you like, churches of God for a long time, 130 years, um, the recognition is done in a, a, a process of where uh, a young, particularly a younger man might be seen to be taking part, showing an interest in God's work and showing an interest in the flock and therefore they are seen and recognised. And the local overseers would see that, they would discuss it, they would pray before the Lord about it, and then they would decide that that brother is or should be considered. And then it's taken to the district. And then in order to make sure that it's not any, there's not any favouritism or, or error, then usually two people from the district will come and interview that person that the local overseers have identified 
as having the capability or the calling of God to fulfill the responsibility in oversight. And then they interview him and then they report back to the district and if the district agree, then that person's name comes forward and they're recognised. That's the system today. Uh, I just felt when I was reading this, Titus was on his own. And it's, he's dealing with people who were young in the faith. And as we heard last week, he was dealing with a people, uh, Christians, who did not have high moral standards. And although they were people who had come to know the Lord Jesus, and therefore you would have expected a change in their life purely from that, their natural disposition might have meant they needed teaching. In fact, they certainly did. And that doesn't just apply to Christians. I mean, maybe they were a particularly immoral group uh, in that that island at that particular time in history. But um, it's something that really there's a necessity for these people to understand uh, that living in the kingdom of God, God has a standard. When you go back to the Old Testament, you know, you had the the law, known as the law of Moses, and it's all laid down there, and and you think maybe that was simpler, maybe that was easier, because they could sit down with the law and they could go through all the list. As it was, as history proved, it was not easier because they were misinterpreting things and they distorted things and they gave priority to some things over other things until when the Lord Jesus Christ came and people asked him, you know, look at all these commandments. Which is the most important? He said, there's only two. And everything's encased in these two. Is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And to love your neighbour as yourself. If you do that, all these other things will fall into place. Because if you love God, if you love him with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, you'll do what he asks. And it's not a burden. If we live in a kingdom which is ruled by a despot, if if you lived in somewhere like Russia... (laughs) as a current situation, then it would be extremely difficult to obey the laws of Putin because he's an immoral man and there's many like him. I'm just picking on him. He's an obvious case. And maybe you could deal with any ruler who is not a Christian. But when it comes to living within God's kingdom, we're dealing with holiness We're dealing with perfection and we are not holy in as much of ourselves. So we are sinful people, we're born in sin and we have the problems of being self-seeking. So how do we operate in the kingdom? And that's what I was just thinking about Titus here. He had to look at these people, old men, old women, young men, young women. He was to gauge how they were operating. But the main thing he was to focus on 
with their love for the Lord Jesus. And that's the crucial, because to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind, is that you focus on what does God say? How does God want me to live my life? Because these are people who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. They saw the truth. And we read that. It's faith. By faith we accept that Jesus Christ was the son of God who came and who lived and who died for us. Who bore our sins on Calvary. And it's the gospel message. Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Good. Then you are a Christian. You accept Jesus Christ as your saviour. You then have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And then you have this decision to make that you have by faith believed. But now you have to continue in the faith. And what is the faith as opposed to faith? Well, you needed faith to become a Christian. You needed faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You needed faith to believe. And that is salvation. And that is the basic gospel message. That Jesus Christ rose. And he's gone back to the Father and he's coming again. But there's a call of God now. To know that you need to know truth. The Lord Jesus Christ said when he was here, I am the way, I am the truth, I am life. So everything the Lord Jesus Christ said was truth. And he came from the Father. So he spoke with authority because it had been given him by his Father. So what he said is the word of God. And it says in John chapter 1 verse 14 that the word became flesh. And dwelt amongst us. What does that mean? That means that the Lord Jesus is the word. So what he said, what came out of his mouth, as well as all his actions that spoke for him, were alive and were from God. And so when we then deal with truth, what is truth? Pilate's asked that question, he had no idea. Truth is what comes from God through his word, through the person of Christ, through the Holy Scriptures. And so when it was mentioned by Titus, the necessity for the teaching of these Christians, and particularly in chapter 1 about appointing elders, it was to make sure that they were people of the word. To make sure that they, first of all, were saved. So they, knew, they had faith. But they had a desire to be in the faith. And to live their lives according to God's commandments. And not because it's a list. It's because they loved him. And it goes back, as I mentioned, to the, the main commandment that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if you do, then your actions will speak. But how do you know? How do you know what God wants? It's in the Word. You need to read your Bible. 
you need to listen to what God says. You need to, when people like, like me stand here and speak and say things from the Bible, you need to check it. The appointing of elders, the appointing of teachers of old men, it was necessary that the right people were given the job so that you weren't getting people standing up and speaking nonsense or speaking things that they thought might be right or they thought was a good idea. They stood up and they said the apostles who were appointed by the Lord Jesus, they spoke, they spoke with authority because it had been given them to do that. And so the letters of Paul and Peter and John took on a response, an, a, an importance, not because it was just a letter. Never let anybody fool you into thinking it's just a letter from a guy with giving his thoughts. These were men who were appointed as apostles and they were given the responsibility by God through Jesus Christ to take on that responsibility of teaching. And Paul here has passed it on to Titus. And the responsibility that Titus had, and I don't know how old he was, he was somebody who was a follower of Paul, he was somebody who Paul saw in him the capability to do what he'd been asked to do. I, I speak out this encouragement because there are, there are men and women who have got natural gifts and they can be successful in the work that they do, in their secular work, because of maybe their education or their capabilities. It's no different in the kingdom of God. But, but in a sense, there is a difference. Because the natural abilities can't always be compared with your spiritual abilities because your spiritual abilities are given by God so that when you are saved the Holy Spirit indwells you and you are given gifts you are given certain abilities to do things and it is I was going to say criminal <laughs> if we don't use them it is against the will of God. It is rejecting God's call if we do not use the gifts that we have been given. Churches of God are getting smaller in the UK. Thankfully, they're getting larger elsewhere. But the question has got to be asked, and it's being asked by overseers at the moment, why? And one of the answers that came back is that we're not teaching we're not doing what Titus did and we're not encouraging and when we go on to look at the responsibilities of older men and older women it highlights the importance of older men and older women and it's by that we mean spiritually older that have got more experience and more understanding from long longer being in the word longer in relationship with the Lord and therefore they should have grown they should be spiritually mature it's not always the case but they should be 
And so there's a responsibility for older men and older women to use their experience and to live and act in a way that God honor is God honoring and God approves of. So again, going back to Titus, that when you're talking about the being sound in faith, being sound in the truth, being sound in doctrine, you see the importance of it. Titus had to teach that, or he had to see it in those he was going to appoint as elders. So when it comes to elders' responsibility for them to teach the flock so that um, younger people would grow spiritually from it and that these appointed elders would take on the responsibility of teaching. And it doesn't mean just standing up here. Teaching, is, as we'll see in a minute, is all to do with the way you live your life, not just words that come out of your mouth, but it is backed up by scripture. As I said, they, in John 17, um, it talks about the Lord Jesus, that your word is truth. Your word is truth. So it's incumbent on us, and it would have been incumbent on Titus to make sure that these people were in the Word. They would have had the Old Testament, they would have had these letters from the apostles, and they would have had the teaching of the, the called the apostles' teaching in Acts 2. And that was what they had to focus on, with the overriding banner that I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. And I also love all of you. You're my neighbours. And in that love, then I will want to read. I will want to know what God's purposes are for me. And so the establishing of these churches in, in, in Crete would have been done so, first of all, by picking those who accepted Christ as their saviour and they immediately would want to follow. They would immediately want to uh, know God's will and they would have been taught, we want to establish a church of God. How do we do that? Well, we go back to the beginning in Jerusalem where the apostles taught how does a church of God get established? Well, it starts off with first of all and most importantly you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, you receive the Holy Spirit within you and then you get baptised because why? Because that was taught, you had to show outwardly that you go into the waters of baptism, that you've left your old life, just like Christ went into the earth and died for us and he rose again in a new life a new covenant and we need to be identified with that man, the man of Calvary who died for us. We go into the waters of baptism, we come out renewed. We're already saved, but we're showing we want to be followers of that man. And the next thing is we want to be part of his kingdom. And so therefore I want to be added to people who are of like minds, who also want to follow the Lord Jesus, who also want to adhere to the will of God. And they want to do what God's commanded them. And so they get added together and to belong to the church. And here's Titus 
with these new churches of God in Crete and he's going round them and they're all full of it because they're saved they're born again the Lord Jesus Christ they're waiting for him coming again they're waiting for his, him coming back for them and they're wanting to know what do we do how do we, we conduct ourselves now and they continue steadfastly in the apostles teaching they continue steadfastly in fellowship that's just be the coming together of like-minded people talking about it praying together and they continued steadfastly in the breaking of the bread like we did this morning and they continued steadfastly in prayer not because they're commanded to do it not because oh it's sunday i've got to go to the remembrance it's because it's sunday i've got to do something that the lord has commanded me to do and that's what titus was teaching that's what he was looking for and he appointed people who were in the faith in faith had accepted Christ as a saviour but understood what being in the faith meant they loved the truth 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 was important but they wanted to know the truth which was the words of God as to how they conducted themselves let's read before I run out of time the section that we should look at chapter 2 you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine teach the older men to be temperate worthy of respect self-controlled and sound in faith sound in love and sound in endurance likewise teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine but to teach what is good then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set an example by doing what is good, in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. When we go to Philippians chapter 3, there's a, I haven't got time to read it, but I would it's been mentioned before, and again, I, I really want to mention it again. The section in Philippians 3 between verses 7 and 15 is all about gaining Christ it's all about directing our activities and all of this can be summed up and this should not be looked at as I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do the next thing and I should do this and I should do that it's all encased on how your relationship with the Lord Jesus that these things should come naturally. It shouldn't be a, key, a need for overseers to say, oh, caught you. <laughs> you did something wrong. It should be a case of you're in Christ. You have been called into his kingdom. You belong to a church of God. You belong to the people of God. You're precious because the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. That's just the basics. 
And the God who sent him, the God who loves you, is calling you to service. How do you conduct yourself? Conduct yourselves like Christ. How did he conduct himself? Well, if you don't know, you're not reading the word. And it's a challenge to all of us. The need to be in the word because it's Christ. It's Christ-centered. It is Christ. It's the living word. And if you don't know how you should conduct yourself, if you don't know what God wants from you, you're not in the word. And that was what went on to old men. Old men, those who are spiritually mature, should set an example. And I was going to say, that's everybody that's over 40, isn't it? Who's an old man? I, when you look through history books, that the, the average age for 2,000 years ago is not what it was is now. So what was an old man, you know, um, 200, 2,000 years ago? There were some, of course, that did li live long lives, but it, it's mainly the relationship with God. And these people that would have been appointed in Crete would have had no experience or very little only what they were getting from the apostles what they were getting from each other and what they were getting from the Lord through the word and it's no different today it's easier today but it's also easier for us to dismiss it because if you're not in the word if as an elder man or an elder woman, you have responsibilities in the way that you live, the way you conduct yourself, and particularly with women who have the responsibility of teaching younger women. And, the, and it sounds like the basics, well, love your husband and love your children. It's to love with God's love. It's to love by the children seeing the way you live your life how you react to Christ, how you respond to the laws of God. Your children will learn and to love them with the love that he's given to you. And the same with men, older men. They are clearly taught that they need to show by their life. And when you run through the different things, and I have no time to go through this in detail, and I didn't intend to, because it's self-explanatory that they should be sober and temperate. They should be worthy of respect. They should be self-controlled and discreet. They should be sound in the faith, sound in love, sound in endurance. That soundness, if that's not there in your overseers, then you've got a problem. But that's our responsibility as overseers. And we have got to strive because we are those who give account. We will stand before the Lord one day and he will ask us, I gave you that flock. How did you look after them? Did you do these things? Did you live your life like that? Did you teach? And the same with the old men and the older women. Your relationship, did you show it out? Did the younger people see it? So uh, it's just... An encouragement of over just a few verses there about the responsibility of Titus, the responsibility of ensuring that the overseers were worthy of their calling, and the responsibility 
of the older men and the older women. We're coming to the younger men and the younger women next week, but the responsibility is clear, is to be, it's all about Christ. It's all about the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. What does that mean? If you don't know, read the word, go back into Philippines and Philippians and listen to it and to understand what does it mean to be sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. What does that mean? Are you doing that? Are we doing that? Are attaining to the resurrection? What does that mean? I'm sure you know. I hope you know. That is a teaching that basic understanding of Christ because it comes to to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of you. Christ took hold of you and he wants you to take hold of him. It's a two-way thing. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You have Christ in you. But is he outside the door knocking to get in? You've not taken hold of him. You've not brought him in. That is our responsibility. It's all Christ-centered. Shall we pray?